What is up everyone and welcome to another episode of the Just Jacks Golf Podcast. I'm your host Mitchell Forbes. I'm joined weekly by the COO of Four Links, Sam Keston, to discuss uh, the week's events on tour, the preceding event and of course our picks uh, for this week's uh, fantasy contest which will be taking place um, at the Honda Classic. Sam, let, first off let's kick things off by discussing what was another unreal event on the Florida Swing that's given us... Uh, a lot to be thankful for, a lot to enjoy over the, over the last few weeks. Uh, Sawgrass didn't disappoint yet again. No, it was a really fun tournament to watch. Uh, a lot of really good storylines and a pretty good leaderboard. And I think that golf course is just a thrill to watch. You know, I think the holes themselves are a blast and then you spend the entire round knowing that 16, 17 and 18 are coming, which are a lot of fun. You know, I, there's, I don't think there's a closing stretch on the PGA Tour that has as much variance in the scoring as those three holes do. You know, and they played a major role in this tournament as they usually do. And, uh, and I think in the end, we had a deserving winner, Justin Thomas. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm particularly pleased for, 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 for Justin Thomas. Um, obviously, we, we've discussed a lot over the last few weeks the fact that he's gone through the shit a little bit, but showed, but showed sort of um, signs of promise with a strong weekend um, last week. Um, and you know he, he didn't exactly get off to the fastest of starts um, at the players either, right? I think he only made the cut by two, um, but made an excellent charge on Saturday. And and what I was really impressed with with his win was the patience he showed on on Sunday. Um, he was hitting the ball beautifully, but made nothing on the fr- on the front nine, um, absolutely nothing. It was looking like Westwood's tournament to lose at the turn, um, but then Justin goes birdie, birdie, eagle, birdie, and that run seems to be what the difference is between the best and the rest right you've got and that's why I hold Tony Fee now in such high regard is because he's able to put those runs together McElroy can put those runs together um, I think it takes a, a certain level of play to be able to like uphold that level of iron play over a prolonged stretch um, so hats off to Justin Thomas he played excellently Rule is looking a little bit on 18. I don't think he meant to, uh, to to draw the ball quite that much or flirt with the water uh, as much, but turned into a beautiful drive. Uh, what was fun, however, was, uh, well, not fun, but potentially interesting. If Westwood just hold that six-footer on 17, he would have forced the playoff. Well, who knows if he would have made the putt if he knew he needed to make it, right, to, to force the playoff. But Westwood just seemed to give himself six footers all day those ugly six footers for par those nerve-wracking putts and he made he made he made a whole bunch of them um obviously he was out of position a lot in the fairway he was recovering and scrambling a lot all day um but you sort of felt him run out of steam on 16 right when he tries to hit that what two three iron into the green clips the tree duffs the bunker into another bunker got up and down nicely um but obviously 17 was playing extremely difficult on that Sunday the greens were pretty much brown extremely firm the pin was really a no-go unless you need to go for it um, but that's something I wanted to bring up with you Sam that, that was in my notes to bring up with you did Westwood do the right thing playing for the middle of the green well I would say, I would say for starters I'm not sure that's what he did on purpose you know I think did he went for the pin yeah I mean they're you know and he also hits he also hits a cut so like a lot of times it wouldn't be uh, crazy to imagine that he's aiming at the like at the ridge line, like yeah. how that green has like, the ridge yeah. pointing up to the flag. I think a lot of those guys are like trying to aim at that ridge line, maybe hit a little cut, hope it catches the slope and goes down. You know, and so I don't think necessarily that he intended to play quite so conservatively. I think he probably had hoped that ball's going to cut a little bit, catch that slope, and give me a good chance at it. Uh, but, but, I mean, we talk about this all the time, that there, there are just putts you have to make on Sunday. And even if you've made the majority of them all day, and, and if you've been good on those putts throughout the course of the week, yeah. at the end of the day, that, that six-footer at 17 was a gotta have it. Absolutely, positively gotta have it. If you want to win the golf tournament, this has to go in. And he didn't make it. You know, and I think in the end, it, it was the, you know, he loses by one. That's the easiest place to look for that one. But I agree with you generally that Westwood, I thought, all in, did a pretty valiant job keeping himself in the golf tournament throughout the course of the day, despite the fact he clearly did not have his best stop. You know, one of his biggest strengths is driving the golf ball. 
and especially on the front line. I mean, he wasn't playing for the fairway most of the day. And so I think that it made it tough for him to have great scoring opportunities to, to help create some separation between himself and, and somebody like Justin Thomas. Uh, you know, and, and Bryson DeChambeau, who was going the other direction. Yeah, and I, I think as well, a lot of credit's got to be given to Lee Westwood because the last two weeks, although he's finished second both weeks, um, he's a competitor who will make someone else win the tournament, right? Which is which is what I admire about that. That that's, doesn't seem to be. I'm not going to say it's it, it's a lost art, but certainly like your typical European match play growing up sort of style, right? Just make the other person do something spectacular, hit greens and regs, two put all day on the Sunday, and you, you're going to. You know you're gonna you're gonna put yourself up there, and Justin Thomas had to go on a magical run to beat him. Um, if it wasn't for that, obviously he would have he would have won the golf event. And you know, two two second places at Bay Hill and um, and and TPC Sawgrass is, I mean, it, it it's very good going. And I think he said in his interview after the round that he was heading to Augusta to play Monday and Tuesday with his son, um, who was then going to be carrying for him. And surprisingly, he's actually playing the Honda next week, which I thought was a bit strange. He mentioned his post post round interview, you know, his legs were getting a bit a bit weak. He'd been playing a lot of golf. Um, I'm surprised he's playing again, but he's obviously loving his golf. He's obviously playing very well. Um, and it was really, really fun. What I, the, the narrative I most enjoyed was having the the repeat uh, final group as the previous week. That's not something we uh, that's not something we see much, but they're the kind of things and and um, and sort of happenings that create these rivalries or or cool matches and duels. It was a shame that Lee Westwood couldn't win, so it was sort of like a one all sort of thing going on. But it was certainly cool to see those two guys in the in the last group again. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh I agree with you. I'm surprised once with playing. But I do think that, that, that that's a little bit related to a phenomenon we've seen in the COVID era, that the European players, because of the difficulty in traveling back and forth, that you've seen a lot more of them who have just decided to stick around and play longer. Yeah. And so I think, uh, you know, like if Westwood could go home, and, and not have to quarantine. I mean, I'm not sure what the quarantine rules are in England, and I'm not sure what they are back here coming from England, but I would imagine that there's some quarantine process involved, and so I think it makes sense for some of the European players, like in for a penny, in for a pound, when they get here, they might as well just keep playing because they can't, like, you can't really bounce back and forth and, like, say, okay, well, I have a week off, I'm going to go back, and then I'll take that week. So I think that's part of why you're seeing a little bit more. I mean, if you look at the field for next this upcoming week, fair amount of European players in there. Stenson, McDowell, Lowry, Coulter, Harrington, Keimer, uh, Luke Donald playing. Is Ky- Keimer in the field? Is who? Is Keimer in the field, is he? Yes, he is. Oh, wow. Nice. I was wondering where he'd been. He, he, Keimer's an interesting one. He he um, he um came into some form in the on the European tour post-lockdown last year. Um, and had some nice finishes. It'll be interesting to see what what he brings to the table this season. He's he's, he's an interesting character, Martin Keimer. Um, I thought he would have been a player who would have prolonged prolonged his uh, his career in the top twenty five for a lot longer than than he did. I think he tried to change. He, he tried. He tried. He tried to change his swing after his um, was it after his U.S. Open win. Yeah. Or when he was world number one, or maybe after he won the players, didn't he, in 2014, 2015, maybe. Yeah, this is a guy with a pretty, like, under, you know. He's, yeah, he's pedigree, man. Medina, US Open at Pinehurst, players. And a PJ Championship, he won at, uh... Kiwa. No, he didn't win the Kiwa, Ireland. Was it, because I think Rory won that one, no? Was it Whistling Straits, maybe? Where did he win? You know, it's 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 weird. I um, I I, I watched a, a lot of golf, twenty twelve onwards, right? And it's it's weird how many years have racked up since then to the point at which I'm like, fuck, which event did Kaima win? Like, if you asked me that in twenty sixteen, I would be able to, like that. Um, yeah, he won whistling <laughs> straight in twenty ten. He won the playoff. Remember the uh, Dustin Johnson? Ah, uh, there was that the yeah okay. The bunker. He won that playoff with Bubba Watson uh, I, I think that sounds right um, 
Other noticeable performances this week, um, Sam, just before I guess we, we, we move on. Um, Roy McElroy, oh, God, that opening nine was a car crash. Yeah, you know, there's seven over par. There's something going on with Roy. Like, you know, you've said it a number of times, and I agree with this, that he's not a guy who misses a lot of cuts. And he's missed a few this season. I mean, he missed, like, he had a horrible opening round at Riviera, a uh, horrible opening round here. You know, it seems like golf courses that have placed a premium on driving the golf ball have punished him a little bit. And, uh, and I think you saw that this week. And, uh, and I thought, I thought, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, last week. But he's admitted, and I give him credit for doing this, that watching what DeChambeau did at Wingfoot made him want to chase a little bit more speed. And it's had some dicey results that have made him, you know, maybe longer, but also more inconsistent. Yeah, and it's, um, it's, it, it, it's strange because... Rory's always been a long hitter of the ball. I'm not sure what an extra 10 yards does to Rory's game. It's, it's, it's not like Bryson where he wasn't known as a long hitter before he put all of his weight, right? And it's quite clear he's added like 40 yards to his to his distance or whatever. The, the gains with Rory McIlroy with distance you'd think would be, would be marginal. Yeah, and, and I also think too that uh, Rory doesn't have like... like I think you have to have Bryson's body to swing that way, you know, and, and so if there was any, like, fantasy that Rory had where he could gain 40 yards of carry or whatever that is, he wasn't going to do that without bulking up a ton, you know, and, and so I think uh, to try to get an extra 10, I, I don't really know what, I agree with you, I don't really see what, how much upside there was. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm confused as to what to think because it's not like he hasn't shown glimpses of brilliance recently, right? He, he's, he's had a lot of top 10, top 15 performances. Um, it's just that open nine. He, he, he had the, he had the left misses badly. Um, there's something, there's something fundamentally flawed with his, with his swing. It seems. I know he said he struggled. Was it Michael Kenyon? 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 Is it his swing coach? Um, he said he struggled. That's all right. Can't remember. Anyway, he said he struggled not having him with him throughout COVID, and I don't know if he's just let some bad habits take over during that time. He mentioned that he had to go and see Butch for a consultation when he was in Vegas. Um, little things like this leads me to believe that his swing's probably a little bit out of sync, and the performances that he is putting together is just out of pure talent because it's Rory McIlroy. You know, these players yeah. as well, which doesn't get discussed, is. You know they, they've got extremely good hands to the point where if their swing is off they can correct with their hands to hit the middle of the club face i think rory's feels that good maybe he's just been relying on his relying on his hands and when it's and you, you, you can't rely on your hands four days in a competition event in high pressure scenarios which is maybe why we've not seen him perform under pressure right with when we've seen him go on runs is when he's been the pressure's been off he's been putting runs together on a sunday when he's 10 back or or you know, or on the second round where he shot himself out, and the first, you know, we haven't seen him going into contention on a Sunday. Um, his good rounds have come at low pressure moments, which leads me to believe that, you know, maybe his swing is faulty. He's just relying on his hands at the moment. We have seen an improvement in his putting. Perhaps that's acting as a bit of a facade. Um, but I, th- I think yeah, I think he's having some swing difficulties. Um, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he. Well, I, I, he's not playing next week, is he? This week, sorry. No. No. He, he's going back to the lab, and I, I quite like that though because it's almost like he needs a reset, and it's almost like if two two missed cuts in four events is probably what he needed to to focus on his game. He's been I appreciate the fact he's a new dad, and he's been talking about the fact that golf is second in his life. But it's like, yes, that may be the case, but you still need to put a lot of fucking work into your golf game. I, I, I hope I hope he's maybe reprioritizing. Not to say that he's going to put golf above his kid, but maybe, maybe like he's talking down his game all the time. It's like you know, golf can't be a big thing. And he, like I don't know, I, I kind of think when Tiger had kids, he didn't he didn't think like that. Yeah, he probably knew the importance of being a dad, and that was more important than golf. Yeah, sure, but he didn't let that filter into his into his Tiger Woods golfer mentality. Where I think, where I kind of feel like Rory's struggling separating the two. It, when when you're a golfer and you're playing these events. 
like that is your fucking job like that is your number one priority at that, at that moment in time and I think maybe he's becoming a bit maybe lax I don't, it, there's something like a bit casual about Rory at the minute man yeah I agree with that and I also think too that uh, to me that feels like a cop out like yeah I, I agree never mind, never mind the PGA Tour but I don't know a lot of workplaces generally that like if your performance was lagging and they came to you and they were like, hey, Sam, you have not been performing at work the way that we're used to seeing what's going on. If you're just like, oh, well, I'm going to focus on children. <laughs> I'm a dad and now. Like, yeah. Great, but when you show the fuck up here, you got to be focused here. Yeah. You know? And so I think Good point. Uh, you know, I, I think that on some level, like that, that might be a little bit of, of him giving himself a pass on, on playing the way he's playing. You know, and, and I don't buy, I mean, you know, Jack had like, and granted, like Barbara Nicholas was an amazing woman, but Jack had a billion kids. You know, like how many Nicholases are there running around? Like, you know, it's. It, I don't think we've seen in the past that it's been having kids has been prohibitive of playing your best golf, and a lot of people have argued that it's been helpful to their golf because it's forced them to compartmentalize their time better and use their time better because they do need that time at home with the kids. So some, to me, a little bit of that with Rory is just kind of like, you know, it's like the kid that you would play at video games, you know, as a kid, and uh, he'd lose, and then he'd go, ah, oh, well, I wasn't trying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I kind of get that vibe, like, when I hear that. It's like, oh, okay, so, like, we're supposed to grade you on a curve because you're a dad now? Yeah. So I think, yeah. I didn't like that at all. I mean, you know, and, and I just think, like, whether this is fair or unfair, to whom much is given, much is expected. Like, Rory is so talented, and we know how capable of a golfer he is. So do we hold him to a different standard than we hold Brian Harmon? Yeah, for good reason. You know, like, we hold him to the standard that we know he, he can play to. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think... You know, on, on some level, I don't know. I don't know what the right way to phrase this point is, but like, I, I think today's uh, like, and this is—I don't think it's just a golfer thing, but I think social media has has oriented people, uh, or has caused people to pay more attention to their perceptions, like other people's perceptions of them, mm. maybe more than I think is healthy for a lot of people, and so I could see how like. You know, to me, like some of the excuse making and the and the, you know, like de deflecting of blame of it's not my fault, kind of seems like an effort to control the public narrative about you. You know, and what I liked about, what I love about Justin Thomas is that when Justin Thomas doesn't play well, he is one of the most accountable people that you'll ever listen to. He steps up and says, "I played poorly, unacceptable, made a bad bogey here, gotta make that putt there." You know, he, he's authentic you know and and will will be his own worst critic a lot of the time and i think that's a really good quality because i think it, it leads you to being honest with yourself about the state of affairs you know of your game of, of your mind you know your performance and and will cause you to evaluate correctly what you're doing rather than like you know a guy like a guy like Bryson when he talks about how you know, when he, when he has a poor Masters like he had last year, and he blames how he wasn't feeling well, and he was dizzy, and whatever else, you know, like, none of that sounds like, what did I do wrong? How do I not do it wrong next time? You know, and so I think, uh, I think it would serve Rory well. You know, and I don't think he doesn't do that. I just think he sometimes does, and sometimes doesn't, you know? And so I think, uh, you know, if, if Rory could be a little bit more honest with himself and, and say, here are deficiencies that exist in my game right now. They need to be addressed. I have the time to address them. You know, like, let's fix it. Uh, you know, I think that would be the right approach for him. You know, rather than kind of talking more about how you know, yeah. he needs more time off and, and like, yeah, like in, in reality, Sam, like what's actually happening here? Because Roy McIlroy lives. I think he lives in the Bears Club, right? Like he, he lives on a golf course. So well, what's he saying? Like he's midway through a practice session. He's got to go and change a nappy. I don't think so. Yeah, he's like he he, he 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 can walk out. I'm not sure what he's got in his back garden, but 
I bet you he's minimum, I reckon maximum five minutes away from an area where he can practice on a buggy or by or, or by foot. So it's like, I, 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 yeah, you're a dad and that's cool and that's amazing, but like how prohibitive is that actually in being able to get go and get the reps in? Like what's wrong with wake up? Why can't you wake up like, maybe you wake up, wake up with the kid. I'm not a dad, but maybe do his nappy, do his feed or whatever, give him to the mother and then six till 10, there's four hours. There's four hours of practice time. I, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't get it. It's not like he's traveling like three hours each way to a to a golf course like VJ Singh back in the day. He's like, he's there on the practice facility. He can do the work. Yeah, I get priorities are different. I get putting it in perspective, having another life that you have to look after. But I don't see where his time's being robbed of him when he lives on a golf course and he's a professional golfer. I, I don't know. I, I think. Maybe he's just that, like you say. Maybe he's just trying, like maybe the the narrative that he's trying to create for for the public is crept in his crept into his psyche a little bit. And maybe it's what he's now thinking yeah. of himself, as opposed to before he he was more the boss. He was dictating how he was feeling. You look at 2019 season. The guy he was on fire every single week. He was top five. You look at his performance at the Canadian Open. Shoots a 63 or 64 in the final round. He wins four or five times that year. Um, just seems post-COVID and post-Charlie hasn't quite got his mindset right, and and he struggled maybe struggling with his swing as well. I, I don't think, look, I, every player has bumps and right and, and hurdles, and it's just another one for it to get through. But um, you know, I'm a massive Rory fan as you are as well. But I, I hope he, I hope he gets it sorted soon because I, I want to see him put on that green jacket in April. Yeah, you know, and I, I could be wrong about this, and I don't know, you know, but I don't get the impression from Rory. Like, and look, this is all relative, right? Like. Tiger's the gold standard here. But I don't get the impression that Rory's work ethic is crazy. You know, like, mm. like Bryson, you can say a lot of things about the guy, and, and there's a lot a lot I don't like about But this guy works his fucking bag off. <laughs> you know, he was, he was bitching about how, like, he was, he was annoyed that Sunset was so early because he wished he could have more time on the range. You know, you saw him at that U.S. Open, he's got the lead going into Sunday. And he's banging drivers in the fucking dark. Yeah, man, he's not even saying that for sure. It's not like he's trying to play into Bryson DeChambeau, the hard-working, transformative brand play. He's actually out there doing it. Like you go back to you go back to Paris at the Ryder Cup. He was the last person on the on the range in, in that event before he put in all of his his weight. Right, he's been an exceptionally hard-working professional. Justin Thomas post uh, post round interview talks about how hard he's been working to like make those marginal gains get a little bit better he they're all golf they're all golf they are all in how can they improve and at the top levels they are that is the difference and i'm not going to doubt rory's work ethic because i i don't i don't know him i don't see him on a day-to-day basis but um for someone as talented as rory to not have won for such a long time maybe he hasn't been putting the time in you just don't get the impression from him, like, in the way he talks. He doesn't sound maniacal about the work, the way that a lot of the really great ones... You know, like, to, to be fair, like, Nicholas wasn't even really like that. You know, that, like, Nicholas worked, don't get me wrong, but especially, like, later in his career, you know, like, he was a big work-life balance guy. You know, he wouldn't play a ton and... and, and you know, so, so it could be kind of an unfair, like, standard we're holding to. But I also think like work work ethic gives you a psychological advantage in my view. Yeah. That it gives you it gives you the knowledge that like like Hogan would talk about it and he'd be like, Look, I want Hogan would say, I wasn't the most talented guy out there and I knew it. I wasn't the best and I knew it. So so for every hour everyone else worked, I felt I had to work two hours. You know, and he's like, the only thing that I knew I could do for sure is I could outwork these fellows. And so when I would get out there, it would give me strength to know that I deserve to win because I worked fucking harder than the guy who, who I'm playing against. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, that. 100%. I think it also gives you permission to fail a little bit more as well because yeah. like, it, like, it, 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 it almost gives you freedom because you can't do anything else but work work as hard as you can so you know if the game doesn't take care of itself in that week then you know it's going to at some point you know and i, I think with rory maybe he's a he's a he's a victim of his own talent in some in at some points because he is that good um i'll say it again like, I, I do believe he's the most talented golfer in the world um presently so you know maybe he's a victim of his own talent way where, where there's something subconsciously because of how talented he's been since a youngster where 
He doesn't need to work as hard. I'm not saying he's a hard worker for everyone listening because that's a ludicrous comment. He's at the top of a sport that's incredibly competitive with with so many big names. But at least I'm talking about the, the, the margins. I'm talking about the extra hour a day that he's not putting in. I'm not saying he's not practicing. Um, but the Roy McIlroy belongs inside the world's top three. He's currently 11th, 12th. I don't know. He's outside the world's top 10, which is, um, which is not where he belongs. So... Yeah, hopefully he can refocus. Hopefully he can get those swing faults fixed. Um, but I'll, look, I'll, I'll, I predicted big things for McIlroy last week. I saw, I was seeing glimpses. Um, but maybe, yeah, but maybe the other parts of his game that were acting as a bit of a facade for his for his where his head's at. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to be overly critical. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think a week off is going to be good for him. He's played a lot of golf, a lot of golf. I think it's easier for bad habits to form a little solidify a little easier when you've been playing a lot of golf because the bad habits are getting repeated more and more often so maybe a week off on the range working on technical things isn't going to be the end of the world and we've got some really fun events before before the masters right especially the you know, one of my favorite events of the years the is the dell technologies and hopefully that can um hopefully that can, can turn things around at an event where you've got permission to be aggressive because it's you against the man not the golf course yeah, and I think that – I also think, too, that uh, that will free up Rory's putter a little bit, too. Like, putting in match play is totally different. From <laughs> yeah, fuck it, yeah. It makes – I mean, you know, that, that 15, 18, 20-footer for a half or whatever, you know. It's it, flying – it's, it's going to be flying in the back of the hole. It's, it's <laughs> going to be – you know. And so I think uh, – you know, I can see that having some good – just, you know, and, and, and Rory has been a guy – who has struggled with the occasional big number, sometimes the more than occasional big number. I mean, you look at Bay Hill, makes a double at six, pumping two in the water. Like, in match play, that's, all right, one down. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. keep going. And so I, I see that being a, a good a good fit for him, for sure, and, I, and maybe a good place to get his game back on track. We should talk for a, sec- for a little bit more about Justin Thomas, because that was a, a really incredible performance. I mean... He kind of fanned that wedge on 18, which blew his hitting every green. But from a ball striking perspective, that was a fucking clinic out there. It was fucking. Inc- I, I was I was saying I was saying this to uh, to some guys on a WhatsApp group on Sunday. I'm like, who, they watch like big events, right? They they don't watch every week, but they'll they'll, they'll tune in for, for when the for when the big names are around. And I was like, what you don't understand is just how fucking good that iron perform that that iron play performance was that ball striker performance on that Sunday, man. Like he is, he is, well, he, he is like one of the best I've seen. Like over my course of watching golf, that's some of the best form iron play. And I'm look, and I saw, and I, 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 I watched you know 2012, 2013 Tiger. You know, 2018, 19 Tiger had some good ball, you know, ball striking. Dustin Johnson during his form over the last 10 years, but fuck me, I think Justin Thomas might just pip everyone with with how good his iron plays. I, I think Rory McIlroy made a comment. Um, someone asked him in an interview if you could take any other professionals' um, game, what would it be and why? And he said Justin Thomas's iron play because when he's on, it's it's to six feet every fucking time with whatever club in the bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shot on 16. Fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, and and just the confidence he showed all day too. You know, I mean, like as good as that was, it wasn't that much of a surprise because, like, I think it was the same club. He hit like a laser in the eight, which was playing as one of the toughest par threes on the front. That long par three, two forty, that everyone was sending a wood into. Which, by the way, I love seeing. I love seeing. That was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, getting woods into par three. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I love seeing those guys have to play long clubs into par three holes. It's like really kind of your only chance to, to make them do that on a, on a like, you know, par four has got to be 550, you know, in order to make those guys hit clubs like that, maybe more, you know. And so, like, you're never going to see that on anything other than that. And so I think I wasn't surprised to see the shot on 16, having seen the quality of the shot on eight. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, he, he just – it was very tight rest the whole day, you know. Like he was plodding along on the front side, hitting a lot of greens, you know, not making a ton of putts. Maybe a bad three putt at eight, uh, you know. But patient and, and and recognized that if I just keep striking the ball the way that I do, I'm going to start scoring. So don't get out of sorts here or lose your patience here. 
just keep on doing what you're doing and let the birdies come where they come. And they started to, you know, and, and he had that great run through the middle of the round, and that was all it took. Yeah, and again, like you, let's let, let's talk a little bit before we move on about the about the, the strength of the leaderboard that he that he beat. I mean, you had John Rahm in there, Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia was in the mixer for a long time, just couldn't get it going. Um, you obviously had Bryson DeChambeau, Lee Westwood, uh, Brian Harmer was making a run. Taylor Gooch was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise up there, but there was a lot of big name top twenty five golfers, you know, good for it and. Um, Justin Thomas just simply outplayed a lot of them and showed balls of steel and went on a ridiculous run of birdie, 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 eagle, birdie at a perfect at the perfect time. I mean, I think I think the turn is a really interesting point. I know I know different golf courses set up differently and there's different scoring opportunities, but in terms of momentum, uh, in terms of what the leaderboard looks like, to have a surge at the turn is just I think that's I think that's a big thing. It's a, it's a big thing because it it puts pressure on your chasing pack, knowing that they need to make birdies closing. Uh, and when they're running out of holes, um, yeah. So fair, fair play, Justin. Like strategically amazing, emotionally amazing, absolute eye in clinic, and what a classy guy as well, man. The way he conducts himself um, in, in you know interview situations, amazing. I think they were pro, you know, they were probing. Like, oh, did Tiger text you? And he's like, what what me and Tiger discusses between me and Tiger sort of thing. I love that. I thought that was really classy. Um, and I think you know the way he's sort of gone about his business after his sort of um, you know Ralph Lauren dropping him, and you know his, his grandfather passing has just been nothing short of exemplary. He is he is the moral professional. Yeah, I totally, I definitely agree with that. And it's no surprise that like you know he comes from a, a PGA pro dad, you know who I, I imagine had a lot to do with instilling those kind of great values of the game in Justin Thomas, and I think. I think there's a reason why uh, a guy like Tiger is drawn to people for different reasons, right? You know, like I think with Deshambo, he's uh, like it, it feeds the inner nerd, the obsessive. Yeah, because Tiger's a fucking nerd, by the way. People listening, I love, I, yeah. I, I fucking love Tiger. Like, to be, I, I really do love the guy, and I love this part about him. But what he doesn't display as much now because he's he's got, he's got gold status. He's he's a bit of a fucking nerd, is Tiger Woods. Just, just, just go back. Well, I guess, hello world, huh? I mean, that's a, that's an awkward way to address like the media. Yeah, and he, and, and he, the, he's a, you know, and I geek of the game. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's a science geek. He's a, a he, he's an equipment fiend. You know, he can do you know like his attention to detail. You know, and, and the and the engineer part of his brain, you know, is is so well built out. You know that I think that that. His relationship with the Shambo feeds that side of him. Good point. But I think like the, the the competitive side of Tiger and the like, uh, you know, mentality side of it. That seems to be more like what he gets out of his friendship from Justin Thomas. The hyper competitive, the shit talking. You know, like that. Uh, I mean, I've never heard anybody else like. I watched. I don't know if you watched that uh, event at Tiger's Court, the Paint Valley Cup or whatever. Yes. That was. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Justin Thomas is calling him dumb dumb the whole time. You know, I, don't know any, I don't know anyone else. I've never seen anybody else in the PGA Tour like like just like talk down to Tiger. Yeah, no. You know, no one, I've never seen anybody with the balls to do that. And I think Tiger loves that about him. I think that's like what Charlie loves about Justin Thomas and like uh, you know, so I, I think I think it's really cool to see Tiger's relationship with those guys influencing their results like I, I you know I, I can't imagine what it's like to sleep on the lead on the PGA Tour but I can only imagine how cool it must be in that moment to have the best player of, of, of your lifetime certainly reaching out to you to, to encourage you in those moments I just think is a really cool thing and I think it's something that like is one of those things about older Tiger that you never would have See. Yeah, these are all really cool. These are all really cool elements of of Tiger's career, Tiger's story um, that he's managed to create. He's managed to create new narratives for himself that we didn't know was there 10, 15 years ago. Really cool. I, uh, I listened to Butch Harmon on the Foreplay podcast last week, and it is. And what I really liked there's there's a whole host of things I loved about that. Butch, by the way, I couldn't believe how switched on he was for for late seventies, early eighties. Incredible. Um, but the, what I really enjoyed was when he talked about Tiger Woods' um, feel for equipment. Um, 
I was like, oh. uh, you, you made that point earlier about sort of Bryson's geekiness relating to that side, but fuck me, the, before before Trackman, before spin rates, all that stuff, Tiger knew off feel what, what balls were doing with the bit dimples, why, shafts, club faces, like he knew everything, but he was way ahead of his time in that, in that, in that portion, right? Talk about being like an avid club tester, like t- Tiger fucking grinded getting the best equipment in his hands. And not only that, but also his, uh, like, I don't know what the right way to phrase this is, but like his, his feel, his senses for equipment are incredible. Like, I remember hearing a story along the lines of that they gave him a driver uh, and he had said the grip is too thick. And they're like, it's the same thickness as the one you had. He goes, no, it's not. It's definitely bigger. And they go back to test it. And the difference in the thickness it was the difference in the thickness of a dollar bill. Like, <laughs> not, like, literally, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, like paper thin. <laughs> like, that was the difference, but he could feel that, you know, and, and different balls, he could feel exactly what they were, you know, like, I think that's a really cool part of his personality. And, and But it's part of, like, that obsessive attention to detail. I don't see that obsessiveness in Rory McIlroy, like, at all. I see him as a guy who, like, seems to be spending a lot of time thinking about how to get away from it, you know, and, and not uh, a guy who, like, can't shut it off, you know, like, Hogan was a guy who can't shut it off, Tiger was a guy who can't shut it off, I don't see Rory as that guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I guess I guess time will tell, like, obviously, I think as well, Rory's that weird part of his career as well, somewhere, you know, he's he's achieved a lot in the game already, and it's like, he almost like to need like a second wave of momentum to carry him carry him forward from this point. I think Justin Thomas became one of only three players in in Miller and, and Woods to win a, a, a you know the players um, a WGC and a major championship before the age of 27, 28. You've got Justin Thomas sort of building a a real sort of uh, a real career behind him. I just feel like Rory was at that point and he's just sort of stalling out a little bit. You just need he, I think he just needs a second wave. It must be hard to maintain such a high level of work ethic, dedication and intensity and passion every single year for 25 plus years, which is what these successful golfers have to do. So I'm going to come a bit of slack, but you're right in making those really valid points that you maybe need to look to the likes of Justin Thomas and Bryson when they look at like their obsessiveness and how that then relates to their results. Because there's no doubt there's a, a direct correlation between that. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's right. You know, and I think that... Uh it's going to be an interesting Masters. We got a lot of storylines that are kind of converging at the same time, and it's going to be a, a fun, uh, oh, a my, fun trip. You know, it, it's it's going to be a very fun trip to Augusta, despite obviously not having Tiger there. You um, there's there, there's enough bubbling for it to be an extremely good one. Uh, I guess we'll we'll do a Masters special in a couple of weeks' time when the moment's right. But um, my my heart wants Lee Westwood to take that one. I think I think I think that's what's dry. like he talks about he's just enjoying his game more but I think there's a I just think he knows the quality of golf he's playing can translate to a major I think that motivates him massively um that'll be the that'll yeah, be the my pick out. Yeah. I like him more at the Open Championship than I do at Augusta I think uh, okay I think that Augusta does not reward his strength like I think he's a very excellent driver of the golf ball mm-hmm. and Augusta you know mostly hitting fades, which is not necessarily a great fit for Augusta either. Like you saw Lee Westwood, huge difference, right, in in the two shot shapes from Lee Westwood and Justin Thomas at 16 at Sawgrass. That Justin Thomas played that really cool shot, like almost like... That that nosedive hook. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that thing only... That was a driver that carried like 234. Run out 60 yards, yeah. (laughs) And then rolled the remaining yards. But played the was the correct shape into that hole versus you saw Lee Westwood step up and hit a big cut out over the trees. Good looking cut, but yeah, yeah, you know. And I think uh, I just don't think Augusta, like from a ball flight perspective, is a great fit for Westwood. But but, but distance, but distance in 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 experience there do go a long way as well, which is sure. really interesting. Yeah, it's, it, it's not like he's not had good performances there previously. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I, I think uh, if he can keep this level of form throughout the year, to me, St. George's is a place that I would have a hard time picturing. If he brings this game 
I would have a hard time picturing him not figuring at the end there. Is, was it was it Darren Clark who won it? St George's last. Mm-hmm. That's not that, well. That's, if, if there's an example to to, to inspire and motivate, uh, and guaranteed Lee Westwood's playing better golf now than Darren Clark was in 2011. That's a cool spot from you. I also think, too, that uh, the crowds love the old guy trying to bag one more story. Yeah, fuck yeah. You know, and so I think that to see Lee Westwood at an Open Championship with their, I think there are going to be some fans there for sure. Uh, I think that would be such a cool, a cool thing. So. Yeah, there could even be a full house. Uh, the UK is opening up fully, no restrictions, June twenty first. Currently, the, the the vaccine, the vaccine, uh, the vaccine is getting rolled out quick, and the Euro European Championships, the the football, the soccer event, um, is 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 sort of it. it, it this year, it was maybe last year, it's getting hosted across 10 different cities in Europe. And I think uh, England have taken on way more of the games now. And you look at the capacities before June 21st to like five, ten thousand, it goes up to full capacity. So hopefully we're going to have a full house at St. George's. Now, that would be special, right? Lee Westwood, 48-year-old um, champion golfer of the year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. It's the only open championship venue I've ever played. And so it's going to be cool to be able to, for the first time in my life, watch an open championship knowing the golf course a little bit. That is sick. Um, but before those exciting events we've got to look forward to this year, it's the Honda Classic. It's not a, I, I don't have this down as a poor PJ Tour event at all. Um, I actually love the golf course. It's brutal. Um, VJ Singh nearly won here a couple of years ago, which is which I love. <laughs> and we've we've still got we've still got a strong enough field um, with some yeah, with some big time players in. Sam, how did you get on with fantasy last week, my man? I finished second, which I needed because I, I went big on the parlays and completely fucked that job. Cheers, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at your parlays. Round one. <laughs> My parlays were awful. You took Thomas. That was good. But you took Rory over Rom, and that was a killer. But that, that, that should have, that fucking should have added up, really. That should have. <laughs> No, that, that that wasn't a bad idea. <sighs> I just didn't see that coming. But yeah, I got Did saved. You throughout the week? No, no, I, I was saying that because I went so high risk on the Thursday, I wasn't going to play any more parlays throughout the week. Otherwise, I'd be, I'd be left with, I'd be texting you on Monday morning, and be like, can I have some more points, please? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I yeah, ended up, ended up finish second, finishing second. And what was a, a tough week for the, for the, for the picking pools when you, when you considered the players that were in the groups. You know, there's some surprise people missing cuts, and that, you know, that, that leads to a low score in uh, pick and pulls week. Webb Simpson, prime example. I think I made a comment last week. Do I see Webb Simpson missing a cut? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> what did you go and do? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so I finished in the middle of the pack in the 500.1, and I finished dead last in the 1250.1. Who? What did I do there? Fuck. Do you have, do you have a withdrawal, Kevin? No, maybe withdrawn. Oh, that was funny, wasn't it? I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see the the event of it. So Kevin Na made like a, a ping pong eight at seventeen. You know, one of those like where oh. you look at. The- <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Fucking oh. Siwoo Kim did the same. Paul Casey did the same. And then he and he missed the putt, uh, and then he drove in the water at eighteen. Ends up turning in an eighty one. And then uh, withdraws with a bad back. The golfers love a bad back, don't they? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's the world's easiest. Like you're a million over par. Like you know you're missing the cut. You've got loads of money. Give up. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. It's not worth it. Um, yeah. Sam, let's kick us off with Group A this week. Yeah. So this is a weaker. I mean, obviously the field is not as top heavy as, as we've seen lately. So this is a very odd Group A. Ricky Fowler, Daniel Berger, Adam Scott, Gary Woodland is withdrawn or has been withdrawn due to uh, COVID. Okay. Out. Lee Westwood, Sung J.M. Sung J.M. only sneaks in here because he played well. I think he's the defending champion, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Uh, I think Tommy Fleetwood finished second. I think him and Tommy Fleetwood would remember those two in contention last year. Right. 
I, I just remember he almost won two weeks in a row. He almost won Honda and then almost won Bay Hill. Uh, I mean, like, it's, it's a weird group. Daniel Berger probably merits some consideration. Adam Scott merits some consideration. I'm going to take Lee Westwood, but I wouldn't be surprised if I end up regretting it. I think there's going to be an out-of-gas factor with Lee Westwood there. You could already see it come Saturday and Sunday, mostly Sunday, uh, at the Players' Championship, and I just think it's going to be a hard week for him to get up for. Yeah, man. It, 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 I think I think it was it, I think it was uh, Rich Bean was like he, going into Sunday. He was like he hasn't made a bogey for he hasn't made a bogey for 36 holes. He was always going to make bogey, bogeys on the Sunday. That's just how how golf works, man. Like it's not like the odds reset before every round. Like if you're going on a run like that, then you best believe a bogey's around the corner. And he made I think he made two in the first four holes or something. Yeah, including I think. Uh, a good bogey at four after he Great bogey. pushed water, yeah. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Lee Westwood. I, I think it's I, he, he's on he's by far in the best form of anybody in Group A. So so long as he can you know, like as long as he's not checked out. The only look the logic would would point towards Lee Westwood. I can't deny that and I've actually got him highlighted now as I go to pick it, but I'm going to go low ownership pick, um, and I'm going to go with my heart on, on Group A, because I think momentum and motivation is a huge part of golf. Ricky Fowler's fighting for his fucking spot at Augusta. And, and it shows, you know. It shows, it shows, but maybe he just brings his be- best shit this week. I don't see any reason why he would at all. Daniel Berger's a, definitely a better pick. Um... I'm scars and really showing much either. So, like, you know, Berger and Westwood are your, are your two picks for everyone listening, I think. But um, I'm going to put my balls on the line because I want to see Rick, uh, you know, I'm gonna get my heart involved. I want to see Ricky Fowler do well. I want to see him at Augusta because I've got so pretty accustomed to seeing him there. He's very stylish. I don't know, he's just like, he's part of the he's part of the Augusta Week narrative for me. Um, it would be a real shame to see him miss it. So, I think this is a good opportunity for him. We're in Florida, home state. You'll know the, he knows the course. Um, Let's see if he's been putting the work in. Group B, Maverick McNeely, Doc Redman, Seth Straka, Patrick Rogers, Brandon Moot, Doug Gim. Doug Gim was a, a, a cameo participant on Sunday, briefly. Until he did a Roy McIlroy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a pretty incredible flame out at, I believe that was seven. Uh, he hit like a screaming pole hook into the water, took a drop, and another hook into the water. Uh, and then the next time we saw him, I think he was making like a seven or a six on seventeen. Something <laughs> like for the quad, he made it seven, and the triple, he made it seventeen. Uh, I'm not gonna pick Doug Gim. Uh, Brandon Wu, I just don't know anything about. Doc Redman hasn't done a ton. I think Maverick McNeely is the guy in this group who has done the most, is probably the most comfortable, you know, has taken the most steps forward out of out of any of these kind of young guys. So I think I'm going to go with Maverick McNeely. Yeah, I will say this. Sepp Strucker seemed like, do the media hate him or something? Because his, his name does not get thrown about. on The, the, the media certainly have their favorites with the coverage because Sepp Strucker does not get a... He doesn't get a, a single mention. He's like Tom Lewis, right? Tom Lewis, the English golfer. He's right. top. He's, 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 he's you know he's top fifty. He's putting some noticeable good performances over the last year or whatever. That's why he's playing so much on the PGA Tour now. Does not get. Doesn't get a shot. Poor guy. Um, but look, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Doug Gim. I didn't realize the quality of his of his amateur record. World number one amateur previously. Uh, played on that uh, Walker Cup team with um, with like Morikawa. With um, name me some more from that from that era. There's a ton of them. My mind's just gone back. Uh, uh, that 2017 Walker. It, it would have been Doc Redman would have been on that team. Uh, Maverick McNeely probably would have been on that team. Morikawa, like he he, 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 he was better than the bunch. He's quite clearly extremely talented. I think his best finish after before last week was a top five at the Amex. So he hasn't quite brought it to the PJ Tour yet. But um, look, although he's had it, you know, he had a few, he had a few high numbers. He still had a good finish at the Players Championship. Um, and I just don't know enough about what everyone else is doing in this group. Uh, Maverick McNeely is probably the, the the logical pick, I guess. But Doug Gim had a pretty good week, apart from a few big numbers. Uh, he did, you know, and I think uh, 
I agree with you as far as like standout amateur career. You got to think that he's going to try to make good on that at some point. Uh, he was also a pretty good putter for a lot of that time. Uh, that's not a bad pick either. I, I think that's kind of more of a form pick, and I'm going with more of like a average, you know. Yeah, yeah, a little averages pick, pick. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I necessarily a bad call. Group C. This is the European Ryder Cup group. Stenson, McDowell, Lowry, Poulter, Harrington, Keimer. It's a hard one. Stenson played awful. Yeah, he had a, he, I think he shot worse than Roy. He was like 12 over or something after two. Didn't he, I could have sworn he shot an 85. Hey, he, he was fucking. He was terrible, man. Let's take a look. Stenson shot. Yeah, he shot 85 in the first round. A lot of the big European names had a fucking awful round. Like Ian Poulter, there was a video of Ian Poulter, Roy McIlroy, Terrell Hatton, and Henrik Stenton sat at the table. It's like we shot a combined 29 over par. <laughs> I liked, I will say, I liked seeing that those guys hang out after like that. I liked that as well. I was like, fuck, I want to be at that table. <laughs> yeah, that was cool to me. Dane Lowry played okay, he had a great, yeah, he, 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 he actually had a little charge. I think he might have finished nine, top 10. Might have finished on 9, 10 under. Yeah, he finished 9 under and tied 8, or solo 8. Solid. Not bad. No, not at all. Charles Howell had a sneaky top 10. Charles Howell loves loves a sneaky top top 20, top 10. Um, I a sneaky top 10. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to go with Shane Lowry for that reason. He had a good week last week, and everybody else here is, has one reason or another to think they're in the wilderness. So Harrington would be a sneaky good choice, I think, but I just don't have the guts to do it. By the by the way, G Mac, he hasn't done it. I know he, he, he did. He, win, he won like didn't he win the? I think he's had two wins in the last two years, two or three years. He won. He won. I think he won Puerto Rico. They won it like Maybank or something last year. What did he win? He won. He won something last year. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird because it's like he's done fuck all but that, <laughs> which is why he's still playing at these events. But you're not going to see me go to a near G mark in terms of pick. I feel like his best days are long gone. He might be a guy who wins some of the lesser events, but he's not getting my pick in a in a half decent field. Um, yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that he's in a stage of his career where he's struggling to make cuts, and if he shows up once or twice a year to, to contend, that would be a surprise, but he could do that. Yeah, and he, 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 was, he was in a video um, with Eric Anders Lang that he, he released the other month from when they were in Dubai, and he, he to be honest, he came across awfully. I, it's, not, it's, it's obviously not easy to come across well on camera when you're not used to it all the time, so I'm not going to judge him based off that, but he came across a bit like arrogant, entitled, like, I've been there, done it, pal. Done it, you're doing it. I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like he's he's done. Yeah, I don't have a hard time buying that, and I also don't think his game was ever. He was always kind of a guy that seemed like he was getting the absolute most out of his game. He was a gutsy. He was a gutsy tradition. Like he's an old school Irish match play artist. You know, he, he was a gutsy performer. He was Neil Porter. You know, he, more more guts than than talent. But it, hey, it worked. But that doesn't sustain like that. itself. Um, but I'm going. I'm going Shane. I'm going Shane Lowry. Like, come off a great week, and everyone else is just no reason to pick. Like, not good enough reason to pick anyone else in that group. I'm with you there. Group D, international flavor: Camilo Vajegas, Charles Schwartzel, Roy Ishikawa. Remember that guy? Joaquin wow. Neiman, uh, Johnny Vegas, Rory Sabatini. Um, this one it, is a. Fucking who knows? Who the fuck knows? Uh, what I will say is, Roy Sabatini finds himself in fucking top of leaderboards on 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 Fridays a lot of the time. Um, he always seems to have it. He was he, I think he was, I saw him on the front of the leaderboard on Thursday or Friday. I'm sure. I think he made, he made the cut. I think he finished at the bottom of the cut line. Like I think I think he made the cut and then finished last. He shot 69, 75, 74, 74. So he's he's up there on Thursday then. This is what's wild. He missed the cut at Bay Hill, missed the cut at Pebble, missed the cut in Phoenix, but he finished 10th at Torrey, 12th in Palm Springs, had a couple of good finishes in the fall. He's a guy that, like, one out of every four events are not that bad. I don't care. I don't care if he's winning every golf tournament. He will never, ever, ever get my pick. He changes nationality from fucking American 
to Slovenian or Slovakian or some shit. He plays with the white. He plays with the yellow ball. I just can't get away with the guy. I, I actively dislike Roy Sabatini. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a dick. He's a no, dick. No. He's a he's a pretty such a dick. I, I one of the, <laughs> did you see the did you see the scene with Jordan Spieth where he hit into him by accident? No, no. So Spieth, um, I forget what hole it was. Hits. He didn't see Sabatini was in the trees on the right, and everyone else in Sabatini's group had started walking already. So Jordan hit, and then Sabatini, as the ball's in the air, comes out of the trees. And like Rory hits a tree like right over Sabatini's head. And he goes, oh shit, he's like, did I just hit into Sabo? And he's like, uh, that's probably the worst guy I could fucking do that to. Like, knowing that like this guy gets pissed off is, is an ass. Yeah, fucking no. Yeah. And then he said something along the lines of like, uh, luckily for me, I'm one of the few guys he actually likes. Fucking <laughs> Which I think is a funny, funny thing to say. Um, I'm going. I'm going with Sabo. Oh, you know, fuck you, Sam. Jesus, I, who are you? I just don't see. Don't lose yourself. Who else in this group? Like, is playing well, I, yeah, that that's fair. Right? Who else is playing well? But Neiman's the best player in this group, so yeah, he's he's right. getting my pick. That's definitely right. I'm gonna regret that. I can't, I can't, I can't go into a week knowing that I've picked Sabatini over over Neiman, and then that, and then that, then that backfiring, right? I, yeah, I, I take it. Back. I take it. Back. Come on, Sam. Neiman's the right choice. <laughs> you just want to be controversial, didn't you? When I said I'll never ever pick him, like oh, I'm gonna pick him now. <laughs> no, I just, I kind of overlooked. I just thought this. I just, I overlooked Neiman. I thought Fair. this group was so deep. That I just felt like, hey, no, there's nobody in this group, so fuck it, let's have some fun. You, yeah, right. Vegas and Ishikawa, disc- uh, yeah, fooled you. Right, I got distracted by Vegas, Ishikawa, Johnny Vegas, you know, has been Schwartzall. Group E, this is a. Uh, <laughs> it's another one, mate. This, this is this week has got the potential for six miscuts. Like, <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> fuck. I'm gonna go with Stewart Sink. Here's here are the six: Stewart Sink, Ryan Moore, J.B. Holmes, Pat Perez, Kevin Streelman, Lucas Glover. I'm going with Stewart Sink. He, he's been a surprise lately. At times, he's played well. He's didn't he win like a year or two ago? Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. I can't remember which event. But he definitely won in the he, he won in the recent. No, he won like six months ago or something. He, he won quite recently. Yeah, he's been. He's kind of a steady. He just doesn't seem to have as much blow up in him as the rest of this group seems to. Streelman's not. I mean, Streelman's out. Of, I think he's missed the last two cuts, Streelman. He, he sort of fell off a little bit. Take a look here. He missed the cut of the players. He finished 13th in uh, Pebble. He finished 22nd in Phoenix. 37th at Farmers. Missed the cut at American Express. Like, he hasn't done anything, man. Yeah, Stuart Sink missed his last three cuts. I like that one. Haven't seen anything from Ryan Moore. What's Lucas Glover been up to? Talk about Ryan's. Ryan Palmer always seems to play well at Soul Raps, doesn't he? Yeah. Alright, so Lucas Glover hasn't been playing great. He hasn't been missing cuts. I'm changing from Stuart Sink to Lucas Glover. To be honest, I'm fucking lost. I don't have a fucking clue who I'm going to pick. It's. It, uh, it's. Is it the. Um Oh, what the fuck's what's the name of the course we're playing this week at Honda? Um, uh, PGA National. PGA National. That's it. Is, is it got the? Is it got the big? Is it got the bear? The big bear or something? What's the? The bear trap. The bear it's trap. Like, that's it. Okay. With those two par threes, they're fucking hard. They're like two hundred and twenty over water. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. In, I think they get a bit. They get wind into as well, don't they? On that hole. Into and no matter which direction it's into from, it's hard. Like. It's either into coming off the water, so you have to aim it out towards the water, or it's blowing towards the water. And if you lose it a little right, it goes in. So, uh, I don't know what the winning score will be. It seems to fluctuate this tournament a lot. <sighs> okay, you're going Lucas Glover. Streelman showed nothing. I can't go with him. Um, JB Holmes. No, Charlie Hoffman was up there this week. Um, Stewart. Oh fuck. Pat. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I'm having to pick between Pat Perez and Lucas Glover, I know it's fucking. I know. I know shit's gonna hit the fan. Let's have a look at Pat Perez. I like Pat Perez. I like the way he comes across. He's a very chill dude. Um, okay. So he, he missed the cut. Of the players. 
Arnold Palmer, 36th, Genesis, cut, AT&T, 26th, Phoenix, cut. He's shown fuck all as well. Big fat pat. Um, I'm going to have to go Lucas Glover just for the safety of the cut because cuts are a premium this week, people. Cuts are a premium. Do not pick who you think is going to win this gold tournament. Pick who you think is going to make the fucking cut, I promise you. At the end of the day, you cannot defeat another player without having fewer or equal guys miss the cut. Then in the end, the guy who has one missed cut will beat the guy who has two missed cuts almost every time. Yeah. Jim Furyk, Zach Johnson, Phil Mickelson, BJ Singh, Steve Stricker, Luke Donald are your Group F contenders. Phil quietly had an okay week. That was a big surprise. He, pl- he played nicely. He played okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, he drove the ball well enough and uh, and kind of managed to, to keep it together around that golf course, which is no small feat for Phil. BJ Singh's had success here. Yeah. I'm not surprised that, that putter. Uh, Steve Stricker had it going there for a little while and kind of faded away. Steve Stricker, yeah, he played well two or three events in a row. Had a, obviously had that good run in Phoenix. I think, mate, honestly, I think this is... I think this is a course Jim Furyk winner. I think didn't like six, seven, eight under win it last year. Yeah, I've seen. I mean, I've seen Man. winning scores there. was like four. Under. The problem, the problem with the problem with picking either Stricker or Fu- uh, Zach Johnson actually had a go at the players before he fucked it. But um, problem with Stricker and Jim Furyk is can they, can they reach the par threes in one? <laughs> like that's, that's that's the only thing I'm thinking. I'm thinking like Phil figures. You know, it's Phil. I like to see him play well. But if I'm if I'm using my head and and like looking at form. Furyk and Stricker are definitely going to be able to get around there fine. And it's a low score. It's a birdie, birdie holes aren't going to win this tournament. So I like Furyk, Mickelson, or Stricker. I, I, I feel safer in terms of cut-wise with Stricker or Furyk than I do Phil at the minute. Despite Phil's best obviously being better than Furyk's and Stricker's best, no doubt. But um, I'm going to go with Jim Furyk. I love the guy. I fucking love the guy. I've, told, I've said this before. He's shown plenty that tells me he's got another win left in him. Um, a 600 winning score... Plays to his plays to his uh, his strengths for sure. Yeah, I mean the golf course is a par seventy, so for the week the total's two eighty, uh, and a number in in the two seventies has won this tournament in the last in the last ten years. Uh, uh, in the last ten years, seven out of ten times. The winning score was uh, 270 or, or higher. Okay, so it's fucking so, tough. Yeah, so I mean, like 10 under is way good in this in the, in uh, in this event. Uh, yeah, Fury's not a bad call. I'm going with Steve Stricker. I think he's been sneaky good lately. The putter is hot. He's a pretty consistent guy. I just don't see myself regretting. I don't know. I mean, Fury. You could say the same thing about Fury too. I like Strix. Let's go with Strix. Let's go with Strix. And let's head on straight over to the parlays, where, by the way, the matchups become really interesting when it's players who are, like, form against, like, name against, are they going to make the... Like, there's, there's, the narratives are, are, are definitely funner, and the, the odds are better when it's a week like this, I think. When you've got, for example, Fowler-Westwood in, in matchup one, and you've got Fowler at, at plus 105, is, is tempting, isn't it? It definitely is, you know, and from a form perspective, obviously Lee West was in way better form. But conversely, if you told me a year ago that I was taking minus 140 on Lee Westwood to beat fucking anybody, let alone Ricky Fowler, I would have told you you were insane. Uh, I, and as well, yeah. Yeah, but he's not going to shoot. I had to have a flyer there, but I'm still going with Lee Westwood. His form has been better, and, and I just think you got to do it. The, the price is high. But I'm doing the, the thing is, the thing is with this week is, it's not like Lee West is going to go out and shoot a 65 open round. I'd be very, very surprised. I feel like it's going to be there's going to be one or two shots in each in each in each parlay matchup. So it's like I, I feel like this is a week to maybe take the good odds because I think the margins of that of that smaller. I, I don't feel like there's going to be a massive amount of difference between Lee West and Fowler. There might be one or two shots, but like just for plus 105 and for the fact that I went big last week and fucked up, I'm going to go. I'm going Ricky Fowler. For the odds, purely uh, for the odds. Not a bad choice. Unfortunately, the second one is Woodland and Berger, and Woodland's withdrawn, so we'll go to Sepp Straka and oh, so, so what? So what happens here then in terms of the matchups? What, what do people have to do? 
Is it void? Essentially, no matter who you pick, that leg of the parlay will be considered no action. And so... Reduces the odds. Just, yeah, you basically just have to get the other two right. And, and but you won't get paid... It's big, you yeah. You would get paid for three-way. You would get paid the way you would on a two-way. Okay. So it's, a, it's ostensibly the same thing as if they tie, is what it is. Uh, so as a replacement for that, I, to, at least as far as the discussion goes, actually, let's talk about Maverick McNeely versus Doc Redman. Maverick McNeely minus 155, Doc Redman plus 120. I mean, I don't... I think those guys are close enough to a coin flip that it seems like why wouldn't I take the better odds on Doc Redman, but he hasn't done enough for me lately. I'm going with Doc Redman, but I think... I don't know. I, I, I don't love it, but the price is right, I think. I'm going Doc Redman as well. The, 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 price, the, the, price is too, the price is too luring. Which takes us to match up two of this group of Rogers and Sepp Straka. I don't have a fucking clue. I literally don't have a clue. I've got no input here. Neither, but I've seen more out of... I feel like I've seen... Rogers is more accomplished, but I feel like I've seen more out of Sepp Straka, who has had some good performances at times. Uh, I just haven't seen almost anything from Patrick Rogers. This is like the kids' group. I'm going to go with... Straka in that one. And then I'm going Doug Gim every day of the week. Doug Gim minus 135. Brandon Wu plus 100. Brandon Wu had that pretty solid U.S. Open at Pebble that one year, which was cool, but I haven't seen anything else from him. So I'm with you on Doug Gim. He probably should be a bigger favorite than minus 135, so I think that makes it a good choice. Yeah, man. Okay, well... Everyone listening, get involved. It's fun. Um, we've got some big news coming up in the next couple of weeks with progressions um, in some big, big points to be won um, at Augusta. Uh, we're also working at the moment um, to get something pretty cool in for everyone. Um, that's going to be sort of weekly giveaways. Um, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, look, other than that, Sam, we're being blessed at the minute with a very, very strong Florida swing. Um, uh, and we've got we've got some more great golf to look forward to people if you're getting any value at all which i'm sure you are and i'm sure you'll be getting more and more as the weeks go on please like uh, share subscribe all that fucking corny shit that i don't like saying but i've got to um <laughs> help this thing grow um sam thank you again for your time my man always a pleasure buddy take it easy man bye bye